There's another one you don't want to hear. Frankly, neither do I. Right now on the Power Chord Hour, I'm very stoked to be talking to Dave McWain of legendary ska punk band Big D and the Kids Table. The band is set to release their first new record in quite a while, Do Your Art, coming out on October 22nd on Side One Dummy. I'm very excited for this one. So we're going to talk some new Big D music with Dave now and uh, just get into the band and everything. Dave, how are you? I'm well. It's good to be here. Um, it's it's fun. It's fun these days. It's like the record's slowly coming out, and we're going into my favorite season of the year. And so, uh, I don't know, but it's September heading into October. It's, it's a good time. I, I do. I love, the, uh, I love the fall. And it's kind of funny because, like, listening to the songs, I feel like you're going to have maybe the most upbeat-sounding record of the fall. Like, I, I love the sound yeah. of the new album, but it's like, I think it, it's kind of a nice change. You know what I mean? Like, I think a lot of bands will put out stuff right now where it's like, you know, it's kind of, I don't know if it's the cheap thing to do, but it is the time to kind of put out a more gloomy album or something. But like, yeah. this one has more like an upbeat, you know, like, like I like when it's coming out because I don't think a lot of other stuff's going to sound like this. Well, I know what you mean. And, and in a way that that was absolutely intentional, like after, after a while of putting out music and going on tour, you know, I've stopped and I've stopped and thought to myself, well, wait a minute you're going to play these songs on tour. So make sure it's a fun tour. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you want to, you want to set your album up to have, have it for like the next year or two is a big blast. And for me, I like the uppity kind of music. And so like, it was definitely intentional to one, get people out of the deep, dreadful times. Like everyone's so depressed and it's everything's so dreadful thoughts and, and, and and just kind of mucking about and so you know that to, to put up a to put out like a you know, frankly wild record uh it was hopefully just snap people out of that so there was there was trying to snap people out of out of that and also set up a fun touring cycle you know I lo- it makes sense i mean too yeah if you're going to be playing these songs live and you know promoting the album and everything they should be fun they should be something you want to look forward to uh you know playing so i mean mm-hmm. that, that makes total sense but like, you know, like I mentioned too in the beginning, this is the first new Big D record in uh, quite a while. Like when yeah. when did you start writing this? Like when when was the initial thought of like, all right, time to go in, time to write another Big D record? Well, that's actually interesting too. So first off, we didn't really fully realize time to come by. Like, <laughs> like we just didn't fully realize because we were touring and we were doing songs for comps. We did the Dope Dope Dollies record, which is our backup singers. You know, we back them up in the Dope Dope Dollies, and, you know, they sing for us. Um, and then I put out a, my first side project um, called Cuidado, and the other guys. So we didn't really realize so much time had passed, but then once we kind of, it dawned on us, we, we kind of like went, holy oh crap, we got to play the record. Um, and it was exciting. It was like, oh my God, let's do it, let's do it, let's do it. But sometimes with artists, it's good to kind of have a little break. So it is so exciting to write it. You know what I mean? So it's just like, yeah, just that extra adrenaline. But we had like originally stopped on tour somewhere and recorded our first and only single, which is called OEDJ. 
and it, it features the Dokup Dollies and the outstanding the Ruthless from the Far East. And the whole, the, our new record was going to be a record of those kind of like 50 ska, fast 50 ska, like noise complaint. Uh, but some of the guys in the band said, I'll go to the end of this, but you know, I, I have to admit, Dave, I kind of miss you screaming, you know what I mean, rather than just kind of like, you know, just being boisterous. And I was like, oh, okay. And so then I kind of went to the lab and got all these really thrashy songs and I presented them to the guys. And they're like, well, that's a little too thrashy. And that's where <laughs> Cuidado came from, you know? So, so it's kind of like we were always writing and we were always kind of creating things, even if it was just putting out the strictly covered cover record. But like I mentioned, once we realized, no, we haven't put out a record in forever, then we just all excitingly, you know, came together and got, got cracking. No, and it sounds, I mean, it sounds too, I mean, you stayed busy. It's not like one of those things where like, you went silent for years. Like it just sounds mm. like you were working on like different things, you know, outside of big D. Yeah. It's exactly that. And, and like, um, with, with everything going on with like the dope, dope dollies record was such a great time for us. We started playing shows with the dope, dope dollies and like, um, you know, if shows weren't possible for big D for some reason, then we just kept playing dollies, dollies sets, you know, going on. It, it was really fun. It was a different style and, just encompass a different vibe you know yeah no that's really that's really neat to go do like different things too you know not doing the uh the same thing all the time i mean including with big d i mean you guys are going on now i mean how long i mean 25 26 years you guys have been a band now yeah i, I, I recently said it's right and i recently found out or figured out that i've excuse me, been in big d more than i haven't been in big d <laughs> that has to be insane to think about it's weird. It's really weird. I remember when I was younger and um, I found out face to face was having a 20 year reunion. Right. Mm-hmm. And I remember stopping in my tracks and being almost paralyzed and confused going 20 years. And I was like, how, is, how is that possible? <laughs> I like, I like, I like, you like bands like looking back, you don't even, for me, I don't even think Iron Maiden and Motley Crue and Moses are 20 years ago. Do you know what I mean? I still think it's like, what was that? Yeah, you still think of that kind of ago. like, like, yeah, like they're not like, what do you mean? Like that wasn't that long ago. It was a couple years right. ago. Yeah, yeah. Little do you know, it's like, great time is <laughs> stacking. That, no, that, that has to be insane. But I mean, like that also makes sense. Like, again, like you doing it that long, going out and doing different things. I'm sure that was like, that was refreshing. I mean, do you try... You've been you've been doing that the last few years, but I mean, have you? Is that something you've always kind of tried to do, like outside of Big D, kind of like have other creative outlets for things that may not fit in Big D, but are things that you want to like, you know, do or venture through? Not not musically. Like I, I would, I just started because I write a lot of tons and tons of lyrics. I really love to love it. That sometimes I come up with lyrics or stories, and I don't think of putting them in another band because Big D is my like. I was, you know, my honest voice, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just put them into books, and that's when I started writing books. And I, I have about five, and um, and that's where I would go creatively. And you've been doing that for, I mean, like I remember I bought I bought a, I believe chalk back in like okay. like Warp Tour like 2011. So I mean that was a decade ago. Like when when did you start doing the uh, books? I have, okay, I think I can say 
figure this out. Um, <laughs> I would say around two thousand, around two thousand seven. Oh, okay. So you'd been doing yeah. it a few years by then. Wow. Yeah. So even that, you've been writing for. I mean, that'd be close to fifteen years since your first book. Then that is so weird. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, it makes a little sense because you know, before cell phones, you know, before you could like text, you know, everybody looks at their phones, right. In a, in a van or something. But before that people just looked at their books with nightlights. You know what I mean? If you're going on a four hour, eight hour, 12 hour drive, or sometimes 36 hours, if you're like blasting home from cross country or something, um, you know, all you had was reading. And so you just read and read and read. And then if the sun goes down and you're going through the night and you're not sleepy, the only other thing other than talking to each other is reading with a nightlight. So, you know, I had, because I was playing 200 to 250 shows a year for me. Yeah. For me, that was, that was all reading. It was just from, you know, I'd sneak into where Steve, our old bass player used to work at Harvard and I used to just fire off printing screenplays of all my Quentin Tarantino favorite movies. And, and, and I would just read screenplays, read poems, or just read, you know, John Steinbeck books. And, um, so yeah, a lot of that was just tons of reading. Wow. No, that, that's really cool. And as far as I mean, like reading on the road, how about writing? Because I always, this is a, this is a mixed bag. I like asking people this. I get people who love to write on the road and then there's other people who go, no, that is, that is not the place to write. Like, do you get, whether it be music or or like you know writing, just writing, do you do most of that on the road, or do you reserve that more for when you're at home? Like writing, um, I I would say I yeah, I'm really interested with whoever the person was or people who said to you that it's not because I find that really interesting because I I, I wouldn't say agree because I wouldn't say I fully agree like I want to say I fully fully agree but mm-hmm. there are some times when like you have to write on the road like there certain things you have to do. Um, And it's not bad, but I pretty much agree with that person. For me, the road is more about uh, a new time to get inspiration and live. That makes sense. Yeah. Like you're, you're, you're you're living the time that you'll later look back right from. Does that make any sense? To me, to me that, that does. Like, I feel like that's how I would like, like, I feel like, you're in the moment then you're you're doing whatever in the present it you reflect on it later you know you kind of write about those experiences and whatnot later on you know i almost feel like yeah. in the moment it's not even a thought of like oh i should write about this you're living i mean hopefully you're living it so yeah, yeah no that makes sense i start to go on a little bit of like a not a schedule but like you know you go like new england has those brutal win- you know cold winters so i always think of it as like winter time you nest and you write Summertime, you come out and you play. Wintertime, you nest. <laughs> you know, like, that, so, that makes total, being from Western New yeah. York, that makes total sense. The Just the idea of like, yeah, like those are the months where it's like, it's too, too fucking cold to go out and do anything. Like this is, yeah. this is the time to do that. Be inside and be creative. And, you know, you're, you're traveling. So you want to, you want to live. Cause you know, like for most Americans, I always say this, when you're in a band, you have the opportunity to see the, you know, an example like I've been to Europe more times than I can count. You know what I mean? That's amazing. So, I know. Right? I I say like I have more friends in Austria than Austin. You know what I mean? <laughs> and, and but it's one of those things where it's like most Americans can't, af- of course, can't afford to be take off work, 
still pay rent and go gallivanting around. You know what I mean? So oh, yeah. I always know, I always know how lucky it is. So when I do hit the road, I try to just live it. You know, like you are lucky. You are out of the system for a little bit. You know, you're working, you know, cause, cause when you're on the road, you don't have days off. You lose money. You know what I mean? So you're yeah. always, you don't have a weekend. You know, so, you're always, so it is hard work, but I always live this. Don't just think of it as, normal (laughs) i feel like that's the better way yeah i mean when you're when you're out there doing that because you're right it's not something that uh everyone gets to do so if you're out there getting to see it and everything enjoy it while you can you know be be present be in the moment but uh you know for the for the new record when you were uh when you were writing it i mean did you pretty much know the direction and sound you wanted to take it pretty uh like from the beginning or did you kind of figure that out as you were writing it i think Okay, so I actually have—I actually have an answer for this. <laughs> um, uh, we had just finished writing. Oh, sorry, we had just finished uh, learning and performing Operation Ivy's Energy record. Nice. Rasta. Yeah, we played the whole thing. I learned. I memorized and learned all of uh, Jesse's lyrics, which was—I—I <laughs> I do believe that was probably the, the biggest musical or academic undertaking of my life. And, <laughs> And I knew them perfectly. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's that's I wanted. I'm like, like anytime, anybody, give me a verse. Give me like I don't have it anymore. I have probably you know like forty of it presented still in my head. But um, but my point is, so we were just playing so much of those blasting locomotive uh, Scott songs that they Scott songs that they have, um, and so we didn't want to stop. So we just kind of kept with that. Like if you're a big D fan, like songs like are you just scared and like songs just plow forward like an operation ivy song um so we started writing a whole bunch of those songs but then as big d goes we always want to have a little thrash and punk on our records but i kind of like stopped for a second because you know back at how it goes you know not to get political but uh you know george bush was junior was president song about it and and it was always you know it's always to us, right? And so then when, you know, two issues of their own, but when Trump became uh, president and everything was just so negative in the country for some, um, I didn't want to write any punk songs talking about him because I didn't want to connect him to what I do at all. That makes a lot of sense. I don't want him touching anything that I like. Uh, um, And also the communication in America is just it's almost like everybody's talking to each other like a punk song. You know what I mean? Like everyone's just like, fuck this and fuck that and fuck this and fuck <laughs> Yeah. It's like a punk song just sounds like a, a Facebook comment argument. God damn, I've never thought of that, but you're like, you're dead on. Yeah, so what's the point of me going, oh, I think it should be like this? Because everyone's going, oh, I think it should be like this. So I wanted to kind of like take punk music back and, you know, bring it back to bands like the dead milkmen and even like the violent femmes and yes. like, you know, like Dick and Camaro, like you from dead milkmen, like you think about fun stuff, but I wanted to, I, you know, punk's in me, thrash is in me, but I just wanted to change the topic. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not make, yeah. No, that I like that. That's a, that isn't a great approach too. Cause you're right. It is in a time when like everyone's kind of doing that, you know, like, like you're, you're just kind of adding to it. Like if you just put out that angry punk record, it's like, well, everyone's doing that. And also, like, the association everything. It's like, I totally get that. It's like, you want to be able to, like, 20 years from now, 
still perform these songs and stuff and not like think of Trump and shit, like when you're, when you're doing it, you know, so that, that does make a lot of sense. And like, I also, like I said too, going back to like, I like when it's being released it is. It's in a time where you might go, oh, Big D's going to put out a new record. Maybe it's like maybe that maybe people are expecting more of like an angry sigh or something. It's like, no, this is like yeah. like there's a nice balance. But it's like, no, this is also like a fun album. You can turn your head off with this. Like you can kind of like yeah. you don't yeah. have to think yeah. about the world outside for, you know, like the 40 minutes or whatever that you're listening to it, you know? Well, it's also kind of like now I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just kind of doing an analogy. I recognize I don't know what I'm talking about. But like, let's say like we were in wartime, like real wartime, or there were more school shootings and, you know, like there was violence around us. I think sometimes, you know, we might watch movies like John Wick films and like violent, we might watch violent movies when violence is more fantasy and fiction. But when violence is actually like happening, you know, who, who knows I'm saying, but you know, I probably will watch um, Step Brothers more or, yes. you know, Napoleon Dynamite. I don't, I wouldn't like to, like leave reality to watch more violence. Do you know what I mean? No, I I think it's, I mean, it's almost the same thing where if you're really sad, listening to more sad, sad music is going to make you sadder. You Mm -hmm. know what I I mean? Like, it's just going to make you be angry. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, but, uh, getting, getting back into it with the, uh, new record, where was it recorded? Where'd you guys record do your art? So we we did the bass, drums, guitar, and organ uh, in a studio in Sam, Salem, Massachusetts. Um, you know where all the witches, <laughs> oh, yeah. um, the uh, accusations were done. And um, so that was wonderful because, you know, Salem is just where, you know, I'm not from there, but I, I spent, I did some school in there, schooling in there. And so it's nice to be in such a nice little town. And, you know, you know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. very nice to record and so we did that but then we went on tour with real big fish and keep flying and um while on tour you know i just said it recently that it was almost like the jack sparrow um johnny depp pirates of the caribbean thing where when he when he was docking his boat and he stepped off of it it sank right when he stepped onto the dock (laughs) Uh like we got home from that tour on sunday and monday was the lockdown oh shit yeah it was (laughs) it was like we were just like oh Oh, I guess that worked out. But we did have to uh, cancel all the other recording dates. You know what I mean? Um, So Matt Appleton of Real Big Fish, who used to live in L.A., moved back to New England. He's an engineer, producer, extraordinaire, genius, awesome guy. And um, so he was going to produce, you know, he'd already gone to Salem with us, but he had now moved home to New England, that is. And so in Vermont, we went to his studio to finish up when, when lockdown and COVID allowed it. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, that, that is insane that it just hit like that. You come home and then it all just kind of goes right there. How long, how long afterwards, like the, the stuff that you did with him, how long did it take to finish up recording? I I would say like, I, I would, if we can all remember, so like (laughs) lockdown happened. And then whenever that time was when I, you know, I don't quite remember whatever that time was when they were like, wasn't it like it's almost like the same time same time right now last year where people are like yo everything's getting better but they think it's going to get worse with the winter so the, the general idea was if you have anything to get done get it done now that was kind of like this general hearsay and so i think it was around the same same time 
So then we just quickly, you know, we were all, we were all, what is it called? You know, staying home and all that stuff, but we all went to the studio together and finished it up in Vermont. But it was, but what was cool about it is, um, during that huge amount of time, that huge break, we all started doing what I call like was like the 15, 16, 17 year old sleepover where we would all go on zoom and hang out and talk about music, talk about the record and, and just almost have like this sleepover, like just buddies rather than, Hey, on Thursdays at seven o'clock after work, when you're dead tired, we're going to practice and try to be creative. Like instead we were all just like at home and like zoom calls and helped us kind of like, I don't know, just organically get back to just hanging out and talking about music. I, so I think, I think the lockdown helped the record. That's kind of cool. Cause yeah, I would assume, I mean, like you said too, like you're getting, you're not like forced to get on there. You're not like tired after work and stuff. And even like on tour, it's not like you guys are probably like with each other 24 seven and stuff. It's a different dynamic to just yeah. be like, you know, let's talk this way. And you're just talking about music too. It doesn't even like, you're probably not even playing music on there. You're just talking about it. Yeah. We're just chatting and everyone's at home. You know what I mean? Like everyone's like maybe in their pajamas, you know, like <laughs> popcorn and, you know, like meaning like we're all, we're all feeling good rather than, I mean, a lot of artists out there listening probably know, like when, when you have a rehearsal space or something and you have to do it in all these really tough scheduling times afterward, like, sometimes you can go into your rehearsal space to meet up with all your buddies in not the best mood. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I couldn't find parking and frickety frack and frackety frig. You know what I mean? Oh, you bring, I'm so sure it, you bring that in with you. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so, so it was just good. It was just good to hang out with buddies. That's it reminded cool. me of a sleepover or like when you're early twenties, when like you and your friends pretty much all live on the same block. <laughs> I like that. That does that's that does sound fun. That sounds very yeah. cozy too. <laughs> yeah. But uh, giggling. <laughs> <laughs> how does uh you know, how does songwriting generally I'm sure I'm sure at times it's different, but I mean generally how does songwriting tend to work in the band? Is it something where you'll kind of bring ideas into uh the rest of the band or is it more something where you're all kind of like playing together and writing together? Um so what I I've experienced um big d writes differently um like every song is different but big d writes differently than a lot of groups i've seen where let's say you have principal songwriters but I, I really try to reject even that that phrase principal songwriters it's more like the people who just can't shut up and stop right like meaning like i can't stop <laughs> writing songs you know it's like yeah. an addiction like i would like to somehow slow it down <laughs> but um but but we always try to have the other people in the band who who don't write as much write. Like we always try to encourage it. Like come on, come on, write a song. Like or just an idea. Like we we never want to be a band where one person writes the songs and everybody learns them and they're they're all coming from the same place. Because for me, that's not fun. And 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 I came from a drummer. Uh, you know, I'm a you know fundamentally I'm a drummer. The whole singing thing is like a fluke. Really, and as a drummer. Oh yeah, I mean, I was the drummer for Big D. I started Big D with Mark and Steve, um, guitar and bass at the time, and I was the drummer. And then we started writing "Shot by Lammy," and it was all pretty much finished. And we didn't have a drummer, and, uh, sorry, a singer. And so they said, "Dave, why doesn't Max just play drums and you sing?" And I'm like, "Sing? Why? Why would I?" It'd be like if someone <laughs> just said, "Like, 
we want you to be a samurai. And you're like, a samurai? <laughs> you know, you're like, why are you saying this? And I was like, why are you saying this? They, they, they were so nice. They go, we just think you do a really good job. And I was like, oh, all right. You know, but it was never like, you know, it's never anything I ever thought about. And so, um, and so with, with writing, you know, as a drummer, you're like a tail gunner or the belly gunner. And so you have your captains who are your, like your singers and your guitar players. And I always liked being like, okay, I don't really like that guitar riff, but I, I'm going to try and help as best I can to make my buddy's, you know, excited, excitedness work for him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So that's, that's the general, the general thing is to kind of like, you know, hang out and write music together and try to, <laughs> you know, make each other happy about it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it seems to work. I mean, it, it, yeah, it's worked this long. Yeah. That's why I really love, I mean, I love Big D. I love being the band and, and that's why our songs, our records, I'm sorry. Uh, our records are like, here's like, like here's new day, but here's metal in the microwave, but here's beautiful way. But here, like everything is a big juxtaposition. Um, and I think, you know, for anybody out there who's a songwriter, you know, ask yourself, like, what you want. Like, do you want to be the top 40 artist? Do you want to be underground? Do you want to be this? Do you want to be that? You, sh- you should ask yourself who you want to be because it-, it will change your songwriting. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. if, if you're like, you know, it's the direction in which you are heading. And so Big D never was driving towards entertainment and fame. So our songs don't really sound like we're trying to get there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Now, like, have you done, have you done much like production or recording with other bands? Cause like talking to you, like you seem like you have a really good level head where you can work with other musicians and kind of like you were saying, like find a way to really like bring up like the things they're doing. It's like, like the way you're talking makes me think you'd be a good producer. Have you done much of that for other bands? I have done a little producing. Um, I do this really great guy, Sid's uh, record with him and Be Like Max. Um, I did a record with them. Um, and then, you know, the Doped Up Dollies pretty much is what you're saying. You know what I mean? The the, the Dollies record. And yeah. this, this weekend, actually starting tomorrow, um, Matt Appleton um, is going to come to my little cabin in the woods and we're going to record the Doped excuse me, the Doped Up Dolly's new single. Oh, nice. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I can do that. Like, like meaning I do do that, I'm sorry. But, you know, um, I, I would do more producing, but it would really it would really have to just be a friend, fun, creative thing um, because I don't want to make music or the idea of producing into, like, a business successful we have. We're going to make it in LA Hollywood, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's not, I don't want to ruin the nice, beautiful thing. The one nice, beautiful thing. That I love. <laughs> you want to work with people you mesh well with already. Like, you know, this is going to, you're, you're like on the same page and stuff and that, you know, you're going to get along and like work well with. Yeah. And like some producers are so, so good with the fact that they might have this artist come in and they're like, they don't like necessarily the swagger of the artist or the genre of the art, but they're so good at producing that they can make that artist, um, the music inside them sound great. Right. But music is so important to me that I don't want to, I don't want to do that. You know what I mean? I just, 
I would just want to work on a record that I would like, oh my God, this is so great. This is so great we're doing this. You know what I mean? That's genuine. That's genuine. That's you going, I can't yeah. I can't pretend to give a shit about something I don't give a shit about, basically. Yeah, if I have to do something that's just work, you know, I'll go mow the lawn or shovel some snow. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, the other thing is too, yeah, if you're not enjoying it, that's a long that's a long process like producing and stuff those are long hours that's not that's not just screwing around a little like those are hours okay. and hours of doing something you don't want to yeah. do and if they're making their money you know in in a positive sense doing something that they love then, then you know you know bravo but the way i look at it is <laughs> i don't mean to be too too rough but like i look at it as like having one person that you love that you go out with and just sleeping around all the time. You know what I mean? Like, if you're, like, playing in a million bands, you know what I mean? Like, I don't think, and I, I'm open to being wrong, that you could love them all as much as one person who loves their one band. I, that makes I mean? total sense. No, that, that, yeah. that there are people who, like, I feel like, write their music or in a band and, like, are working on one thing, and then just someone else is, like, they'll just, I mean, it's kind of a... I guess quantity over quality where, yeah, it is kind of like they'll just do it all. But I mean, is your heart in any of them? It's like being a contractor. <laughs> that's a good, yeah, that's a good, that's a good, and that's another good analogy. You're right. It is. It's like being a contractor, basically, yeah. you know, like you're going to, you're going to paint your house with much more care than you're going to paint other people's houses. That are just higher. Yeah. No, that makes that makes total sense. And again, like yeah. I think that that makes you genuine to go. Yeah, I can't do that. Like I can't. I know this. Yeah. So I can't pretend. Yeah. You know. Uh, yeah, I, I I would never want to mess with the one thing I love and I'm addicted to. You know. But uh, I wanted to ask you too. Like I didn't know you start out as a drummer and everything. That's really cool. Uh, what what were drums your first instrument or what was your very oh, yeah. first? Okay. When how old were oh, you when you started playing? I would say I was 14 or 15. Oh, and let me say, I'm a phenomenal drummer. Oh, fuck yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But I I just love, I love and love the drums. I played in a band called Drexel, um, and our guitar player singers, Mark and Aaron, I just just love them. I think they're geniuses. and our bass players at one point, Chris, and one point, Todd. You know, it's, it's my brain works. You know, I, I have a very like, excited, fast-moving, you know, mentality. And so it was really good to just play drums um, that are complicated and doing a lot of things, a lot of changes, a lot of um, complicated arrangements, um, because I could get all of it out. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, it's good. For, I think drums is great for ADD people. Um which I don't believe the word ADD should exist because it's not a disorder. I think it should be called ATC, Attention to Creativity. I like that. Uh, yeah, and the funny thing is, I got tested for it, and they say I don't have it, which just means the tests are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, I mean, drums is my whole thing. I mean, I, I, I really... That's why I probably sing the way I sing. I, I, try, I like to sing in rhythmic... You know, just going through like paradiddle, sixteenth notes, whole notes. You know, I try, I, I Damn, try to that's kind of like cool. Rep. You kind of think yeah. like in a drummer, kind of in a drummer sense. Yeah, definitely not, definitely not melodic. <laughs> <laughs> well, for singing too, like you know, jumping it. I mean, that's in, that's insane to me. I would like like people can just 
including singing more than I think any other instrument. That's just something. I mean, I, I think off the top, you even just have you have to have the confidence to be able to try to sing. How long right. was it yeah. like for you to eat? Like, how long into singing until you started feeling comfortable singing around them? Like, was it pretty instant, or did that take a while until you were cool with with singing around them and singing in front of other people? Well, it's it's kind of ongoing. Like, I don't, you know, just recently I had to sing something in front of the guys, and I was, you know, a little bashful about it um, because I don't work on singing. I don't, you know, I intentionally don't take singing lessons and I want to see how far a wild human who doesn't go, you know, who doesn't, you know, I want to see how far just a human instinctually can go with singing without trying to learn it. You know what I mean? That's like, this cool. Is just, yeah. That's just how I sound. You know what I mean? Um, cause I do believe songs are what your soul sounds like. You know what I mean? Um, and so, you know, I, I was, say i was really scared at first of course but whenever i'm around like a, a band member who's like studied singing or you know like you know like really knows the, you know like i learned my circle fifths but i don't know it anymore and stuff but like you know i can i can humbly get bashful but um <laughs> but that's not the whole thing for me the whole thing is just tnt kind of like plug in the mic, feeding back, looking at the audience and just bringing a ruckus, you know? That makes, I mean, including going back, like you said, when you were doing uh, Operation Ivy, I mean, that's, I, I assume Jesse Michaels is a is an influence on you, because, I mean, that sounds a lot like what he did in Op Ivy. Yeah, I mean, his lyrical, his lyrical content and energy is just like, what's the point of trying to write another song? It's just <laughs> perfect. I mean, it's just, and he was so young. I mean, no, to this day, I don't think anyone, no one's gotten better than Op Ivy. People have had like 30 something years now. And no one's, no one's been able to top Op Ivy at, at all. I mean, no, I mean, I, I don't know how he at that age wrote those words and those hooks. And it's, it's like you're saying, like you're saying, it's, it's just like, it's its own thing and it, and it can never happen again. Yeah, I think you, you know what I think you're right about that too. It's not even that no one's topped it. I don't. It just can't happen. And maybe and it probably shouldn't. Like that's it's this right. one special I mean, you can, band. Yeah, you can appreciate other records for different reasons. Like destruction by definition by the Suicide Machines is so good for bands like us. Big game with kids table. You're like, well, what's the point? You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's another. But, that is like the nine. I would say that's the '90s equivalent of uh, Op Ivy for me is Suicide yeah. Machines. Yep. Yeah. That record just makes you go, oh, you can you can do it again differently, and it's and it's you know a juggernaut of a record. Yes, yes. Um, you know, do your art. That's going to be coming out here on side one, dummy, which a bunch of your records have been have been released on at this point. Uh, going back, yep. I mean, going back a while, I'm sure. How did you guys get to know the label? How'd you get signed to side one, dummy? Well, Big D hasn't really had any like anyone really help help us do you know what i mean like some bands are like are born into fortunate connections or scenes and stuff like it's always it's always been like a lot of your listeners might be just hey man i don't know anybody in the industry you're like i don't know anybody you know that's been big d's like main you know a, approach um but kevin lyman of the van's warp tour told side one dummy if you don't sign this band you're crazy i've never seen a band work this hard and, um, and, you know, you know, if you go to Warp Tour, you 
see like there'd be chain link fences with all these posters just plastered everywhere, just saying this and saying that. Um, Big D, I'm confident to say, even if I'm contested, that Big D started that on Warp Tour. I mean, some people might have done it here and there, but Big D did it every day. You know, just shepherd ferried the hell out of things, and and we're like, we're here, you know. And people started to hire street teams to do it for them, and and then and then the ball then that became the norm. But um, you know, Kevin was just nice enough to tell side one. I mean, it's it's really nice, you know. That's really cool. I mean, the the other yeah. th- <clears throat> the other thing too, which uh, that kind of makes sense going from there, because like. I kind of, I, I was going to ask you too, like how many times you guys played Warped? Because you're one of those bands who I feel like we're a staple there. Like, I like, yeah, like even definitely. if you didn't play every year, you were always a band I would kind of look forward to. Like, all right, they're, they're probably going to be on the lineup. Like, if they're not this year, yeah. probably next every year. Every other year. Like, yeah, yeah like every I mean, other year. Like, do you know how many years you played all together? I like kind of, I used to know, but it was, <laughs> it was kind of like, it was kind of like every other year. And even in between, you know, Sometimes we would play a week or just two weeks, but I think it's like Bowling's Pursuit and Less Than Jake did the most. I think we're like right there. You have you have to be. I mean, like, you- <laughs> but by yeah. the from like we have j- enough little bit videos to document it. <laughs> <laughs> what do you remember the first year you guys played? I mean, that had to go way back. If this was, uh, I mean, like you were talking about Kevin Lyman telling Side One Dummy that. I mean, you guys had to be playing like what would that be? Early two thousands, late nineties. I believe it would be 2004 or five. I, oh, you know, wow. maybe we did like a show, like a show in mm. 2003, but, or like, you know, like, like a week maybe, but it wasn't, we were like on the Ernie ball stage in 2004 or five. So funny. All my other, all the other band guys like have a really, really good memory. So, so they're probably like, it was exactly that. How do you not know that? <laughs> <laughs> like, like the other thing too, I think, cause that's in, and, and again, I mean, credit to you being, I mean, being a band who was out there, like just grueling your asses off in that hot summer sun, putting that stuff out, getting your name out there. Like now that it's been gone for a while and you haven't had to do it in, in a while, could you ever see yourself doing a full summer tour again? Like warp tour? Do you think you could ever, could you ever see yourself doing something like that again? Well, the last time we did it, like we did like two weeks, recently-ish and when i say recently-ish meaning like maybe it was the last year they did it and so we were we were fortunate enough to like go back and do a good chunk of it Mm. um but like you know if i if i wasn't if i wasn't married with kids then maybe i would consider it but no i don't (laughs) i don't know because i i'm saying no kind of but knowing me like i'm such a sucker like if someone called me up and was like do you want to do it? I'd be like, okay. <laughs> no, that, it makes sense because it's hypothetical right now. Whereas it's like if someone actually called you, like, hey, this is like a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's one of those things where it's so beautiful. Like all the friends, like you meet so many people and you do become a family. And it does, so the answer is yes. I mean, it's it literally is the most beautiful thing I've been a part of. Like all, like everyone helping each other, just all these misfits and and rejects and hopefuls are all just together and doing music. I always made the joke that if Kevin Lyman was our president, the country would run better. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, it's probably one of the best things I've, I've ever been a part of, but frankly, I, I really don't like tour buses and you have, you pretty, you have to do, tour, you have to do bands, you have to do warp tour in a tour bus. And if you don't, which we have not, like, 
you don't have to, but someone's going to quit the band <laughs> at one point. <laughs> um, I just don't like tour tour buses. Like, I mean, they look cool on the TV and maybe for a night, but I don't know. Like, getting in a coffin, like, <laughs> I don't, I'd rather I don't know, I'd rather a hotel, motel six or super eight any day. <laughs> do, the, do, it, do it up that way. Yeah, I, I can't. Yeah. I can't blame you. And I think you're right too, because I feel like you can't. I know people do van tours with Warped, but I that has to be. I don't recommend that. No, I, I can't that. imagine that's fun at all. It's 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 not it's it's um, dangerous and unhealthy. It's like it's like a problem. Jeez, <laughs> <You know, laughs> it's a problem. Like, and well, yeah, it's like you could get into a car accident. You could get sun sunstroke. Like it's Jesus. You know, it's, yeah, you you got so, a point. My God. Yeah, it's it's brutal out there. <laughs> it's real survival. I uh, I wanted I wanted to go to the beginning. I always like like asking about like you know early scenes and stuff. I wasn't there, so I get to ask you. But like going yeah. going back to those early days for Big D in the kids' table. I mean, what was the ska and punk scene like in Boston in the '90s? Like, were there places to play? Were there a lot of other bands out there? Like, what was that like when you guys were starting? It was it was like so blowing like it was everywhere in a really good way like that kind of thing where you walk over to your local small bar slash club excuse me everyone's there and you can expect everyone to show up and it was just like you know when we look at old photos of like the 80s in new york and you see like blondie and cbgb's and you're like wow what, what was it like then like they all seem to be just like smiling and having fun it that's what it was like it was like a really good scene that was there were like no problems do you know what i mean like yeah. nobody nobody was moaning everyone was just like oh i'm really glad you're here oh i'm really glad you showed up you know like oh this is my friend he's in he's in the band boxer they rule oh this is my friend uh he's in a wilhelm scream at the time it was called smacking i'd say i think rule nice. you know like everyone was very positive about each other's art and bands there was no there was no negative anything um but the joke I, I make is Big D showed up when the party got busted. You know what I mean? So <laughs> meaning like, you know, the cops came and sent all the ska bands home. And so like Big D, you know, our introduction to the scene, 96, 97, 98, 99, you know, it's like four years or three, you could say like for the band to really start entering the scene. It was really like two years of us being able to experience the explosion. But Boston was just so cool you know just you know lines lines lining down the street for a club at the middle east a show at the middle east um just just what you hope the underground music scene would be you know yeah that's really cool now did you did and i didn't really think about this before but i guess you would you kind of aligned the same time but like a scene I always talk about with uh, people who are there, but like the New Jersey, like pop punk ska scene of like the early nineties or I mean, yeah. late nineties, early two thousands. Were you guys a part of that at all? I mean, being in Boston yeah. and stuff, were you playing there a lot? Well, of course we were playing bands with bands like Alistair and plain white tees. Like we, you know, Atari's, you know, like because all the ska bands either broke up or changed styles you know, starting around what you're saying is yeah, you're right. They did. Big there, playing the shows with those bands. I, I didn't even think of that. You're right. There were a lot of those bands who started out as like ska bands who like would morph into like pop punk bands or whatever. You know, or like lose the horn section yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So we played. You know, one could say. You know, one could say we played with just, just as many pop punk bands as ska bands. You know what I mean? Really? 
Did, yeah. Like, like when did you start? How soon were you playing outside of Massachusetts? Like, like was that? We, was, we did it pretty quick. You yeah. know, like meaning we had a direct line of vision that we wanted as friends go and have adventures. You know, and so it was like this was the idea: if we can book a show in Boston, we can book a show in Jersey. If we can book a show in Jersey, we can book a show in New York. We could book a show in Montreal and we could tour Canada. You know, it, it was. That's a great it, attitude. Like that's the, that's the attitude you need to go in with. Oh yeah. And nobody can just literally like nobody who can do something that you can't do. And, and then there's, then there's the whole thing of fighting for your life. Like we're, we're putting in the work to get our dreams. And I always, try to tell people like sometimes your star player as cat williams the uh, comedian says your star player is for other people meaning like if you're waiting tables if you're a bartender like you're working so hard so good you're kicking so much ass during if you're in the weeds and but you don't put that star player of you in your own life you know what yeah I mean? that's a good point so you don't you don't do your maximum potential to fight for your own life but big d not to become a famous band that had nothing ever, ever to do with it. Just had experiences together. We put that work in as a team, you know, like, it, that, let's, that, let's try to go to England, you know, that's amazing. Because we, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And it was because we knew economically none of us would be able to do it. You know what I mean? Unless we did it together. Yeah. That, you know? No, that, that does. I mean, going places where, yeah, I mean, I mean, we were talking about earlier where it's like, you you hit all these places that that most people probably don't get a chance to see, and you might not get a chance to see if you don't have music. So like to realize you have that outlet, including that young, I feel like is I mean really smart. You know I mean because it's one thing to be right. like let's go out and tour, but you actually realize you're like oh no we can do this. It's not like impossible. Like this shit can happen. Like we can do this. Yeah, and, and people got to remember too. The only thing you had back then, literally was a book called Book Your Own Fucking Life. And it was just a book that had, like a phone book that had like lists of promoter, like Jerry in Fort Lauderdale had the club. And you'd call Jerry <laughs> and, and be like, I don't know, on October 3rd, can we have a show? And he'd be like, it's metal night. And we'd be like, that's okay with us. You know what I mean? <laughs> I've, heard <laughs> like, of, I've heard of that book yeah. before and it blows my mind thinking of, of booking a show. Like, just as you're explaining right now, like it blows my mind that this was how you did it. Cause just oh, yeah. day, I can't imagine people doing it this way. But that, yeah, I know. And that's why people are like, how do you do it? And you're like, dude, you have this thing called a computer and a, you could go Google search screamo <laughs> in Austin, Texas, and you could get a list of bands. You know what I mean? Like so easy, but you know, we would have to pull over for many years. One could almost say 10 to, we'd have to pull over and find a payphone to ring the promoter and hope he's around the phone. <laughs> <laughs> you, know I mean? yeah, you gotta hope he answers yeah i mean it's it's nuts and i remember one steve foot uh bass player time would say one day we'll all have laptops and and, and phones and and he i remember him saying the whole one day of what's now and me being like it's crazy i don't know he's talking about some star trek shit <laughs> some star trek shit yeah. <laughs> oh, that i'm is... like steve you're too techy man <laughs> oh my god because you did i mean really you you kind of were in that like i mean I, we're like talking about you being around now for for like since yeah. since the mid 90s you kind of were at that like you saw yeah. i feel like the ass end of doing things that way into the dawn of the internet in like a new way of like promotion and and kind of almost 
force it. You know what I mean? Like being being kind of pushed in that, whether you like it or not, into that mm. age of bands going into the internet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we saw the whole thing. I mean, I still make my flyers with um, scissors, paper, and scotch tape. You know, because oh, that's cause, awesome. Oh, I love it. I, I mean, like, and, and then Xerox it to make the colors go together. Like, I've never given that up. That's one of my favorite things in the world. Did you do the flyer for your upcoming for the upcoming show, the uh, record release, the orange one? Yeah. No, that's Yo 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 Yosef, and we've been buddies, and he's been working working with us or you know we've been doing art together since since the 90s because that thing looks sick it looks like a throwback kind of to me like kind of yeah. like what you're talking about as that like throwback yeah. feel he knows the score he's so cool he he like he he'll go to japan um and live there for a while and see what they're doing artistically and come back to the states like he's smart like oh, that's he, right you know he's crashing on couches yeah i mean he was the one who introduced us to melt banana the noise club band oh you and, guys did um, a split with them didn't you we did a split seven inch with them and they are featured on a new song with a video coming out, um, called you bugging. So they're actually, oh, they're nice. like a hero. They're actually on our new record. Oh shit. I didn't realize that. Yeah. I knew you guys, when you said, I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure you guys did a split. T- I'm pretty sure it's in my record collection that split. Yo, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that exists. So that's awesome. Cool split. I mean, that, I mean, that's such a cool split, a ska band and a noise core band going, yeah, 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 let's do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah you're right that's not like it works well but you're right it's not one where you're like yeah it's not the conventional uh you know yeah. not, not the band you think you do the split with <laughs> well it's funny because then we played a couple shows together which is a dream but people who mel banana fans that would go to the show who are you know who are in noise core bands themselves or bands like tool or something with sepultura or so you know bands that they'd be like why are you playing the show like <laughs> that, and I like look at them. I'm like, exactly. That's the point. That's the point. You don't want to watch Melt Banana open up for Melt Banana. You want, you know, what I mean? that's like, a good point. Yeah, you want something. What's the different. point of watching? Yeah, like I wouldn't if I went to a Dropkick Murphy show. It's like, do I really want to see an Irish punk band open up for the Dropkick? Yeah, you're right. That is a, that's a really good point. Hey, you're right. There's like to, to some point, there's too much of the same thing. Where you're like, this mm-hmm. isn't. It's not good. There can be mm-hmm. too much of it, you know, the the excessiveness of, of one thing, you know, of what sound or genre or whatever, you're right. It, it's like by the end of it, maybe maybe three or four hours of the same sound is not the best thing. Yeah, like, and I grew up with that stuff. Like, I used to go to hardcore shows, but then when I suddenly saw this ska band playing with Slapshot and realized that, you know, learned it was the Mighty Mighty Boston, and I walked away from that that hardcore show going, I think I like the ska band the most. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, I was used to it. I mean, even Anthrax, the metal band Anthrax, opening up for like Metallica and, and, and Iron Maiden, even though Anthrax is metal and thrash, of course, themselves, when they were doing the I'm the Man kind of like joke rappy stuff, it was nice. It was a nice break in the show. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, well, you do. You learn, you, you figure that, which is good because I feel like it sounds like you learned it early on, but it's something yeah. I think people, people learn later on in life where it's like, yeah, just, you're doing yourself a disservice if you listen to yeah. just one type of music or like one thing. Like you're, oh, yeah. you're probably gonna like the other shit. Like if four bands on a bill and they all sound different, guess what? You might find something you like in all of them. Like just because yeah, they're not the same. And for songwriters out there, it's like you're gonna learn more about songwriting listening to bands that are nothing like your band than listening to bands like your band. Oh, I, I, there's so many people who I, I truly think, whether I'm interviewing them or just people I like, uh, you know, musicians I like, and I go, you know, I'm, I bet the people that they're influenced by 
are nobody that you would expect. Like the listeners, like they may think of like, you know, three or four bands that sound like, like so-and-so's band probably have no influence on them. Maybe they're contemporaries, but it's like zero influence. The, their influences in things that you would have zero clue about, you know, like, cause you're right. And I think songwriters do. I think that's also, you know, a good, good songwriter, I think does that where, yeah, you start going different places. I mean, if you're in a like you, like, I'm sure you don't just sit around listening to ska and punk. Like, you may be in a ska punk no. band. You're not sitting around just listening to ska and punk 24 hours a day. Well, what, yeah, what artists set themselves up to accidentally do is just sound like a sound-alike band. Like, you know, like, so it's like, okay, so this band existed, and now it's your turn to write their songs. It's like, well, who wants to do that? Yeah, you know no. what I mean? Like, like we, don't need, we don't need that whole, it's your turn. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I like that. Yeah, you don't. You don't. You should all you should all kind of be doing and that's the thing is you end up getting different like, oh, your new album sounds different. It's like, yeah, cuz I'm listening to different things. Or like, you don't yeah. sound like everyone else. That's because guess what? I listen to things that, you know, you maybe our average listener may not even listen to. Yeah, the word sometimes in songwriting is transformative. Like you want things to be transformative and new. You want you want to promote the progress of things. Yeah. Yeah. That may that makes sense. Going I wanna I wanna go back for a second here, just for a minute, uh going back to like, you know, the, the original scene, playing with different bands and everything. There is like New York and stuff that's close to you in Jersey, but like New Eng like the New England region, like were there any other like small scenes or whatever going on like in that area that like people may not know about? Like were there some pockets of like other good scenes going on, you know, like like further up, maybe like Vermont or New Hampshire or something? Well, okay, yeah. I mean, um, so there was the, you know, um, the Amazing Royal Crowns. You know, there was a really good rockabilly kind of scene going on. The Amazing Royal Crowns is a great band. I, they're just outstanding. Um, but Boston is really good at, like, post-Pixies alternative rock, mm -hmm. you know? Like, yeah. The, the, really organic alternative rock but post alternative rock like i think i think that might be one of the best genres of boston like bands like eyes like knives um just kind of like yeah you, you listen to the pixies but you play to you play a little heavier i mean piebald is kind of oh it's, yeah it's kind of, great band you know something like that so you know, I can't say hardcore because that's obvious, and I can't say metal from like Outcast, the uh, Outcast, the band Outcast, or Brian Nothings and Shadows Fall, because those are genres that you can find in every city, even though those are outstanding bands. Um, but I would say, I would say post Pixies, um, um, post alternative rock music is is blossoms in Boston. I now that's very interesting because you're right. That's not one I would think of. Like that's not a genre yeah. that your 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 brain like immediately goes to so that that's interesting really and i and i'd have to jump so also bands just having their own their own sound like the like the band um morphine um from boston i mean morphine is is mark sandman on two strings on a bass guitar he passed <laughs> away dana collie on bass and bass and a baritone sax and a drummer and if you, if people out there listening don't know the, the album Like Swimming from Morphine, then I just gave you a, the best advice <laughs> ever. Um, and it's just music you've never heard before. You know what I mean? And that's yeah. why I always say music, music could or should, 
be what your soul sounds like. Do you know what I mean? So it's like, if you're just kind of like writing songs to become an entertainer or famous, that's totally fine. But that's what your soul sounds like. You know, your soul is a little capitalistic. But if you're, if you're an artist that like, like Mark Sandman, then that's what your soul sounds like. And that is outstanding. You know? Yeah. Like, I love the I love that too because there's there's certain bands and sounds where you hear it and it is it's like you you go I like okay mainstream wise or like from a from a standpoint of like is this going to be like the biggest thing in the world no but is it supposed to fuck no it's what it, no. it like you're saying it's what came from the heart and that's what comes out that's the genuine it's more genuine I think that stuff also lasts longer if you're if you're trying to play to the room or the crowd, whatever it is in whatever present time, that changes over the years. I mean, if you're trying to yeah. sound like 2021, well, guess what? In 2040, it's going to sound really dated and, you know, people, there's right. probably not going to be new people to discover it. Where like, like Op Ivy, Operation Ivy was never a band that was made to be of, you know what I mean? Like they were never, yeah. they were never going to be a multi-platinum band, but my God, how many decades later we're still talking about them and kids are still yeah. finding them. Like, that's something yeah. that other bands, if you went and looked at what was, go grab 10 bands that were played on the radio during those years in the 80s. I bet they're either no one remembers them or they're playing like nostalgia, like a nostalgia yeah. circuit now. Like Operation yeah. Ivy didn't sell the records, but my God, they're regarded way more highly mm -hmm. later on. Yeah, I call it genre chasing when you're like you're in a band and a different genre is more popular. So you close shop and you try to chase that genre, but you're always going to be behind. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and not to be like so 1980s, you sold out. But that's where I, you know, like I, I learned my musical ethics. But like, not to be so simple, but, you know, McDonald's sells the most hamburgers, you know? But are they the yummiest hamburgers in the world? I don't know. No. I don't think so. so. It's like, let's say you're a chef and you love making hamburgers and you have a signature way to make hamburgers. Maybe you have a hamburger truck or a small place, and, and you're known for this one style. You know, maybe you don't sell as many hamburgers as McDonald's, but I don't know. I think yours is, yours is the burger I want. <laughs> yeah, you're right. No, and people will go out of their way for it, too. It's more meaningful. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you're the place people at McDonald's. There's one in every, I mean, every town, city you go to. This place, yeah. you have to go out of your way for. There's something special yeah. about it, you know? Yeah, and, and I also kind of compare it to sugar and, and hot sauce. Like, everybody likes sugar. So you can write songs that sound like sugar, and everyone's going to gobble it up because everybody likes sugar. Now, hot sauce isn't for everybody, and usually when you have hot sauce, you, like, go away and go, no, 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 no. But then you slowly kind of go back a little bit more and more, like, kind of like, and then eventually you can't eat certain foods without hot sauce. You're like, I'm not going to eat it. I'm not going to eat a grilled cheese without hot sauce. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, that's, a, that's a good point. It, it's yeah. also, I feel like that goes into too, like some of the best music. And I think some of my favorite artists were ones, the first couple listens, I didn't really get it or didn't really like, and it's like, you, yep. you, you got to take time. And then you go, holy, like, my God, this is the greatest thing ever. Like you're saying, yeah. I don't like hot yeah. sauce the first few times. And all of a sudden I can't eat, I can't eat something that's not spicy. Exactly. Like it takes, it, it, it evolved you. Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, Rather than sugar, just given what the crying baby wants. <laughs> That's a great. I you you have. I love your analogies. You've had some really solid ones on this. Like people say, I do a lot of analogies. Like I'm, I'm dyslexic, so maybe it came from that. I don't know, but you're cool. good at you're them. Always talking. <laughs> <Tell> <laughs> you're, 
Don't stop. Don't stop. If you're good at <laughs> Oh, man. So it'll be like, if someone points to something, I'll be like, yeah, you know what that's like? <laughs> <laughs> analogy time. Yeah, now time. You know, with, like we mentioned before, you do have a, a record release show coming up. Is, is there any other touring? You guys got any touring plan for Do Your Art? We have two short runs um, booked. I'm um, sorry, not booked. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Uh, being sorted, like for the spring. But, like, we don't know what's going on with the, the, the COVID still. And so, like, it's still just a hazy. Even though there are some bands that, that are getting their planes up, like, it's while you're, you know, it's it's still hazy out there. No, it's, it, not, it's, it's weird right now because it is like bands are announcing tours while some bands are like canceling tours. Yeah, well, but they think it might turn political in the sense that you can go on tour, but you're going to play red states, uh, and the blue states will be smart and you know. Oh, I even think of well. that. Yeah, so then suddenly it turns into like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what are we doing at that point? <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. so so maybe maybe there will be a a tour coming up. There's, a, there's you know we're putting the scat we're we're, bu- we're building it. Building it, nice. Yeah. But you know what I gotta say is like I I love headlining. Don't get me wrong, but opening up shows is is you know my secret favorite because you know when you when you headline when you're done and you, you like go and you change change clothes like the night's over. But when you get to open up, so I'm hoping to have a support tour because I like finishing the set and then kicking back and watching like a kick-ass band you no, know what i mean that's cool and also i mean i always feel like that's a good way to like discover you're not just playing to your audience which i would think as a performer yeah. it kind of also yeah, pushes you yeah. to like you know these yeah. guys aren't here for me so it's like maybe yeah, it's here absolutely. to win people yeah the the the, the way that they get a load of this shit. <laughs> yeah no that yeah. What uh? What songs and there's? I mean, the new record. I feel like I feel like so many of these songs are made to play live. What ones are you looking most forward to playing live off? Do your art. I would say Dead Bottle, Metal in the Microwave, uh, too much. Um, I think Dead Bottle. I mean, I already know, but well, I haven't played I haven't played live yet, so I don't know. But I think Dead Bottle is going to be a lot of fun for me. I could see just just listening to the song. I feel like yeah. that's a that's a fun one. Same with uh, metal in a microwave. It has yeah. it has a very I kind of like descendants in all vibe to me. Like where I feel I, like, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. I feel like I feel like that when I hear that song, it gives me that vibe. And I'm like that is that's another one. I go oh fuck yeah. Like I would be in the crowd. I'd be very excited when you started playing that one. I think I think just it, the high energy songs. Yeah, just even the way it starts. It's like wake up. <laughs> <laughs> oh no i i think people they i haven't heard that one yet uh people because the record well maybe it is it depends when you're listening to this but yeah that is that is a really fun one i think people are going to be looking uh, forward to all right so i mean you know as we're closing up here we're going to play if you're listening to this today on the radio show on friday night the band has their latest single out now called toyed and uh, we're going to play that lyrically i mean you want to tell us what the song's about lyrically and i mean just any anything in general about this song yeah, I mean, I think through everybody's personal experiences or just watching their best friends' relationships, like sometimes people break up and then and the other person, maybe the noxic or toxic person, tries to tries to get back with the other person. We all know what we're talking. Oh, like, totally. Talk about it. <laughs> we are never, ever, ever getting back together. <laughs> like, you gotta go <laughs> with it. But this is more like, um, you're just, you're... Your normal, 
10.30 p.m. on a Saturday across the bar with a couple drinks talking to your friend going like, yo, man, I don't think you should get back together. Like, you are not a happy person or, the, you know, the, uh, the reverse. But, like, it's just one of those people who have been toyed with, you know, from the other person because you have feelings for this other person. But maybe they just want to kind of rub elbows with you on a Saturday night. They're open to you. You know what I mean? But yeah. you're 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 still kind of like not sure where you stand with this person. This person's meant a lot, but it's do a lot to kind of break away from what you think is not a good situation. But then they come back saying, "Oh no, come on!" You know, they're kind of like trying to—they're <laughs> just playing with you. They're toying with you. It's it's just kind of about a friend noticing it with another friend being like, "Yo, you know, yo, I just want to remind you that you're better and you are awesome and." do not need this other person you know oh yeah it's a it's a good song i think people are going to enjoy it's a it's relatable too that's a i think that's something people get what you're uh talking about i think i think yeah. everyone kind of knows that situation mm-hmm. unfortunately right <laughs> but, <laughs> but it's a good it's a good thing to like point out so so people can give the song to someone and go i think this is i think this is you bro there you go yeah just play the, <laughs> there you go just play toyed for them that's, yeah, that's all you got to do. But, uh, Dave, I mean, this was awesome. You know, like, like yeah. we said, do your art is going to be out soon. We're going to play this song and, uh, I'll play a few others before I let you go. Where can people find you? Where can they find the band online? All that good stuff. You can definitely find us at all your, you know, things that you can sort from Facebook to Instagram to big D and the kids table.com or side one dummy records. Uh, we're, we're on all the things and we're out there and you can't get rid of us even if you wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> you, you will find them. So, uh, yeah, yeah. An, an excellent song right now, depending on where you're listening to this, maybe do your, do your arts. Probably not out if you're listening on the radio show. If you're listening to the podcast, maybe it's out. So go check. It is out October 22nd. And here's a great song off of it. Here is Big D in the Kids Table with Toyed right here on the Power Chord yeah. Hour. <laughs> Fighting partner, you always looked at her as your life cause. Always there when she needed, always look past the red light flaws. But no one needs another disaster in their life. No one needs another disaster in their life. Yeah, no, I know, I know, it's hard to believe her. Partner, you devoted yourself to just him. Always stuck right by him, but the good days were only now and then. Cause no one needs another bastard in their life.
never signed up to play by any of the rules Wallpapered my room with all my bad reviews My lifestyle's awake and filled with gratitude Ska isn't just a side, oh kid, you gotta live Whoa! Everyone's telling me that they think I'm too much Everyone's always screaming, oh yeah, that boy's too much I just think I'm wicked, awesome, solid, off the wall Fuck, everyone's telling me, nah, I think he's too much Okay, let it go On the Power Chord Hour podcast, that was Big D and the Kids Table with Too Much. And before that was Toyed, their brand new single off their upcoming record, Do Your Art, coming out October 22nd on Side One Dummy Records. Got to thank David for uh, calling in. That was awesome. Love talking to him. And uh, thanks to, uh, you know, Editing Magic. I don't know what it was if it was on my, I think it was on my end actually, but like we, our phones hung up on each other. I say that I hung up on him on accident like three times and uh, still don't know why. Like, I guess, I don't know. I lost reception or something. And, uh, you know, thankfully I think I got it edited enough where, uh, you can't tell that, but, uh, yeah, David was very cool even on the fly with that, where it's like, Oh, the phone just shit out in the middle of you answering that question. Do you mind repeating yourself? Uh, you know, he was, uh, he was, a uh, he was just a professional at that. Very, very good. I love talking to him. I've been a, a big D in the kids table fan for a very long time. I mean, they, uh, you know, we talked about warp tour and uh, they really are truly a band that I associate with Warp Tour. I mean, the first every time actually I've seen them live, it has been on Warped. And uh, even before that, I remember probably you know I think I think my intro to them. I've been thinking about it, and at first I thought it was seeing like maybe a music video. Lax Lax was the first song I remember ever hearing from them, and uh, it, I I guess I'm assuming it was from Fuse, like seeing the music video. But now I'm thinking more, and it actually might have been from a, a Warp Tour comp, because uh, I had a few Warp Tour comps before I ever went to Warped, and uh, I'm thinking that might have been where I first heard them. And yeah, I mean, I forever associate them with a uh, Warp Tour, and they really do like they have to be. I mean, like he mentioned, Less Than Jake and Bowling for Soup, uh, who also played a ton. Uh, there's there's not many other bands though that have played as much as them, and uh, Big D is like right up there. And, uh, yeah, always a really fun band. That's the thing too, is like telling people I was, uh, having David on the show too. Uh, that's kind of what everyone said. It was like seeing him live. It was like, Oh, so good live. And, uh, very true. He, he's great. The whole band's great. 
and uh, cool to uh, see that they're going to be doing some shows here coming up and uh, tentatively going on tour. But uh, even if not, they'll be playing a few shows. I mean, depending where you're listening to this, uh, in the Boston area. So if you're in the whole like New England area or you just want to drive a little ways, uh, you can go check that out. So it's very cool. But uh, I, I'm really, I'm excited for the new record to come out. I will tell you, I have heard the whole new record, and it is really, really good. If you, if you like the songs that you've heard so far, and uh, you're a big D fan, I mean, I think you're going to be really pleased with this record. It's, uh, it's really, and it is like we were talking about. It was like, it's a fun record. Like, it's a, it's, I like when it's coming out because it kind of feels like a summer, a summertime record in the fall. Um, I mean, like really like including like thinking of things that come out in like October, this is a lot more of like an upbeat kind of like cheery, you know, while still being a great like punk rock ska record. Um, and I, I do, I think it's going to be different. You know what I mean? It's going to stick out when it comes out next month. I don't think there's going to be very much else, uh, el- like else coming out that's going to be like this. So, uh, that's very cool and congrats on them on the new record. And uh, I'm very happy I got to talk to David. That was awesome. So, uh, yeah, thank you so much for checking out this episode of the podcast. If you want to go follow us online, we are at Power Chord Hour on uh, Twitter, on Facebook, and on Instagram. If you go follow us, that would be much appreciated. Uh, YouTube page, maybe you're listening to this on YouTube. If you are, thank you very much. But uh, our YouTube page, all the podcasts are up there, as well as uh, old interviews, pre-podcast interviews, or not, yeah, pre-podcast interviews. That just sounded weird, so I thought I, I like fucked it up, but I didn't. Just pre-podcast interviews is a weird sounding term, but uh, yeah, pre-podcast interviews, and I'm gonna keep saying it, uh, are up on on our uh, YouTube page and a bunch of other content. So if you want to go check that out and subscribe, because my oh my, do we have some poor numbers on there? We have some very sad numbers. Don't get me wrong, this show's not huge, but uh, if you go off if you go off the numbers on YouTube you'd assume that nobody's listening to this. And uh, I, I can assure you that part's not true. Not a lot are listening, but there's more than what YouTube shows. So uh, if you want to go help us out there, you know, go subscribe to the page, the channel, or whatever the hell you call it, and uh, go go give us some views on those videos too. But uh, if you want to hit me up, PowerCordOuter at gmail.com. I have uh, new Power Court Hour stickers, sending them out. They're absolutely free, so just uh, email me, and I'll send you some out. Uh, what else? I mean, the big one, subscribe and uh, review, rate and review the podcast, if you will. That helps out a lot. I really do appreciate if you do that. And, uh, yeah, that's going to be it. Next week, I'll be back with the September rundown. Insane to think we're already at the end of another month. I mean, this year, I thought 2020 went by fast. I think 2021 is going by even faster. So, uh, yeah, we'll be back next week already with the September 2021 rundown. And uh, the week after that, have a really good interview with uh, Ryan, the lead singer of the band 500 Miles to Memphis, another band releasing a great new album next month. So, uh, yeah, next couple shows are all lined up. I'm very excited for them, and uh, hopefully you tune back in for those. But until the next one for the Power Chord Hour, I'm Anthony Merchant. Thanks for listening.